0: I just wish that there was a way that our industry could shine a light on the good things that we do and on the good agents and on the people really making a difference in their communities. And I just wish we could change the story that the public may still have about real estate.
1: The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there's never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at FIRST.io.
0: Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions Podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 165 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast, Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. And thank you so much for leaving a rating or review at iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts that helps us grow. Uh, and kind of, uh, like I said, I really appreciate appreciate you finding us in this little corner of the internet. Today on, on episode 165, I'm going to go in-house. We're going to stay inside the Fidelity National Financial Family. In fact, I started with Chicago Title back in 2000 in Phoenix. And we're going to talk to a compadre that's with Chicago Title up in the portland uh, region her name is stephanie chumley a lot of people already know stephanie she uh she has a a, quite a past in the re.net and then um, she took on this this cool last name (laughs) as part of (laughs) met somebody that way stephanie uh, we're going to talk about all of that stuff and more welcome to the podcast
0: thank you so much for having me what a fantastic opportunity i'm excited to be here
1: yeah i can't wait to chat with you because you and i've had long conversations in the past uh in different um, places and time in our lives. And so it'll be fun to kind of roll this all up into one little package. And so, but my first question is you are in Portland, you and Dale live in Vancouver, Washington, right across the river. Um, And so are you, were you born and raised up in the Pacific Northwest?
0: I've only lived in Washington and I grew up in a small city called Fall City. And then my family relocated to Kent to be closer to Seattle. And I spent a lot of time um, as a teenage or a late teens, early 20s gal moving around all over King County, including Seattle. But it was true love that caused me to move to Washington State's most Southern city, Vancouver.
1: Was a career in real estate. Something you were thinking about as a teenager? Is there a family connection like Dale had? Or, you know, what, what was your dream at the age, let's say 17, what'd you want to do?
0: When I was 17, I wanted to be a fashion designer or a graphic designer. I never liked to wear the same outfit twice. And so anytime I would get a new article of clothing, I would take a small piece of paper, maybe two inches wide by six inches tall, and I would draw An outfit, and I would draw all the different versions of how I could wear it on different pieces of paper. And then when I would wear that outfit, I would tuck it in a shoebox. And so I was fascinated by fashion. And I've always been artistic, and I loved taking graphic design classes in high school. And I went to college for graphic design. So I thought that's what I would do one of those two things.
1: I'm going to tell the listeners right now go find Stephanie on Instagram, follow her on Facebook. You'll get glimpses into. The, uh, the uh, really cool and unique things that uh, Stephanie likes to do. <laughs> There's the crafting room that uh, we watched online get built. Right? <laughs> and that's still there right at the home.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting in the craft studio right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's spectacular. So, in fact, I might ask this of you, Stephanie. Would you send me a photo that I could put in the post? Of the craft, yes, I'd
0: be happy to. That'd be
1: great, yeah. So we'll show all the mm-hmm. listeners what that looks like. It's it's just amazing. And your sense of fashion and flair, really, as a couple, is spectacular. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go online, search for them. You'll find them. Whether it's uh, some steampunk happening or something else, uh, very, very. It could be gothic oriented. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, from the 20s. You're, it's amazing. So I love that you. I love that. That's what you wanted to do. And to be quite honest, even though you're working. For Chicago, you're still doing it, right?
0: Yeah, I'm able to find a good way to blend the two together because I think creating your own content, creating classes, adopting social media, making it yours, that takes some artistic flair and some time and passion. And then sometimes I'll make handmade greeting cards for clients or you know special occasions for people in the work realm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've been the lucky recipient of one, so it's awesome. <laughs> I I can't go much further because those that know you, uh, know you as depth mode chick, because that's what your Twitter handle is. You've been that for a long time. My first mm-hmm. thought is this. Depeche mode is from the early eighties. That was their heyday. Am I right on that?
0: Well, their first uh, their first album came out in 1981. It was called Speak and Spell. And right. since then, the band has never broken up. They have continued to produce new albums every four years or so. So I know that a lot of people think of them as a nod to the 80s. Right. And that was when they kind of came on the scene and became most popular. But to us diehards, we're still with them along for this 30-plus year journey.
1: So how old were you when you discovered Depeche Mode?
0: I might have been around 10 years old or eight years old. Um, when When I first heard the song People Are People, I fell in love with that song and had to have more songs like it. If you don't know the song, it's sung in the perspective of someone who's hated and being abused by someone of another color who doesn't even know them. And the one being abused cannot understand what he could have done to cause the total stranger to hate him. And so those are pretty powerful lyrics. And I was raised to love and celebrate and appreciate people of all colors and all cultures. And so I loved that this band was speaking my truth. And the more I listened to their music, the more I realized this is my band. They, I resonate with the message they're putting out there. And they're talking about love and life. And I just feel so happy when I listen to Depeche Mode
1: you you had this incredible opportunity to i'm kind of work with the band a little bit tell tell them what you were <laughs> what you did for depeche mode socially
0: sure well we are approaching my anniversary so every october 28th will be known as my anniversary of taking over depeche mode's facebook page and it uh, it was a huge honor to be able to do that and i submitted six or seven stories to the one kind of facilitating this Depeche Mode fan takeover. And they selected, I think, three or four of those stories. And then they published them for me at certain times of the day. And I just sat home just smiling and interacting with anybody who was commenting on my posts. And it felt incredible to be an ambassador of the band and to meet other people who kind of saw the world like I did with uh, sharing them how I love the band.
1: Yeah, that's great. I, I love that story. That for... For anyone who's a fan of anything, (laughs) to get that kind of Mm -hmm. opportunity, that'd be amazing. So, so let's. I got to get this back to real estate, or someone will yell at me. Um, (laughs) You became a realtor, looking at your bio around two thousand four. So, what what was the trigger? What happened there? What was? How did you arrive at that decision to uh, join the industry?
0: Well, in two thousand two, I wanted to purchase a house, and my realtor took me out. One time it was a Saturday in March and she showed me eight properties in my price range. And then she said, okay, which one are you going to buy? And I didn't realize it worked like that. So I thought we'd be looking for days and days and and hunting everywhere. But she said, this is everything, you know, in your inventory uh, for the areas that you're considering. So she made it look really easy. And I thought, wow, she's earned a huge paycheck for just a day's work. Which is kind of funny because we know that there's so much more into being a realtor and taking care of clients than just showing them houses. Uh, But like a lot of people, I loved trading spaces. I loved home decor. I loved people. And I thought that um, helping others and uh, believing that the harder I worked, the better income I would generate would Maybe be a good path to take, and so because my realtor made it look so easy, I thought I could do it. And also, I was tired of working for someone else and being micromanaged. And the job I had at the time was really sucking all the joy and the life out of me. And I thought, why not help change the perception of the industry and give people the level of customer service that they're worthy of in the real estate space? Um,
1: what What were you doing before?
0: I worked for a company that would create mailings for other companies, just to put it simply.
1: Sure. It's funny you talk about how the realtor made the job look easy. And mm-hmm. to be honest, isn't that kind of the goal for all realtors to make it such a seamless, you know, easy um, transaction or, or event in someone's life that all that hard work and the prep they've done hopefully behind the scenes makes it seem to the consumer like, wow, that was really easy. And Mm -hmm. and there's a weird, there's a weird thing going on there because you don't want them to think it's too easy, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) But
1: but you want it to be seamless. That was a, I had a conversation about this of all places on a golf course yesterday, and it's, it's. I love that you brought it up today. Um, So, so you you go to you go to you get your license, and do you find out it's just not that easy?
0: Right. It was really challenging. Uh, it was hard to find people to work with. I think I counted 36 people I know and loved purchased homes my first year in real estate and didn't use me. Oh, it was like the year everybody purchased homes in 2004, 2005. And a lot of them said, I've got to be honest with you, you're newly licensed. I'm afraid to work with you. I want to work with someone who's more seasoned. And so I did not expect that. I thought because I had a large network that I would be able to find clients quickly. So I had a rough start and it's not like that for everyone. I thought uh, the more I knew about the business and the more services I offered, the the easier things would be. and it would, But I just didn't realize how hard it was to find people to work with when getting started.
1: So in 2005, 2006, you're right at the beginning of what we'll call Web 2.0, uh, the social media explosion that's just about to occur all that stuff. My guess is just knowing you. You were an early adopter. You kind of got into that space quickly, right?
0: Yes. I joined Facebook and Twitter reluctantly in 2008. And I say reluctantly because I had a lot of friends inviting me to join those. And I kind of like to do my own thing. I don't like to do what everybody else is doing. So I kind of waited and then I jumped in. But I think if we, if we apply the 20 or the 80-20 rule to this and say 20% of people are early adopters, I'm in that 20%, but I'd say I may be 18%.
1: OK, you are. Yeah, yeah. But you quickly connected with a lot of those one, two and three percenters. Right. I think as, as a lot of. Yeah. People did. yeah. So I
0: started blogging in 07. And so I had a lot in common with those um, folks. And in fact, I'd been on the computer since age eight. Are you familiar with bulletin board systems? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I made a lot of friends on the BBS, started organizing get togethers at the mall back in 89 and 90. <laughs> I was used to meeting people and getting to know their brains before I saw them in person. And I'm just a curious person when it comes to technology. And I think when you blend that with loving people, social media is just a perfect platform to reach more people, to use the latest technology and to connect with others that can become dear friends you never knew you needed.
1: So I, I believe the first time I met you was at a is an Inman Connect, San Francisco, around 2010ish, 10 or 11, somewhere in that range. And I, I I I remember getting with a group of people. I think Jay Thompson might have been in that group, and walking through the Tenderloin looking for a laundromat that served ice cream. Does this does this sound familiar? Do you remember that?
0: Yes, that had to have been my first Inman Connect in San Francisco in July of 2011, and I believe. That you're correct we were with Jay we were with Dale Chris Nichols Todd Waller Lauren Sanders Peter Brewer and Bill Lublin
1: that's you wow great that you're younger your memory is still perfect that's great
0: <laughs> I also that, take a lot of photos so I can look back at photos and recreate the moment
1: yeah talk about those that first connect what did what was your experience like um, was it cool just putting all these faces with all these uh, you know names that you you'd picked up and, and kind of met through uh, social?
0: Oh yeah, it was like Twitter came to life for me, or, or Facebook came to life. All these people that I'd just seen their avatar and kind of learned what was going on in their mind, I was able to connect with them in person and have deep, meaningful conversations. And it was just very exciting to have all those faces in front of me, kind of like back when I was in junior high and high school setting up get togethers with friends from the bulletin board. And uh, it was just really exciting to take those friendships and bring them to life in person.
1: Were you and Dale dating at that time in 2011 or was this kind of, you know, you meeting Dale? I'm, I'm curious because I know that your relationship with Dale definitely, I'm sure, started online socially. And then, you know, it came to be uh, We you had a chance to meet and, and start dating. What, what's, what's the timeline there?
0: Yeah, we were dating at that time. And I like to tell the story about the day we never met, which was more than a year before that. Have you heard the story?
1: I have not. Let's hear it.
0: Okay. So it was in Seattle in the shadow of the Space Needle at Real Estate Bar Camp. And it was March 19th, 2010. We were both at this real estate event. And I think I'd been following him on Twitter. He was one of those early adopters as well. But I didn't know him. I don't think we had interacted. And I was attending all sorts of different sessions. And I'd heard about this guy who was going to drive up from Vancouver and talk about Facebook. And like a lot of the people there, we were using social media at that time. But we were hungry to learn more perspectives and some different ways of using it for business. So he had some session called uh, Facebook demystifying the art of poking, <laughs> something like that <laughs>
1: okay
0: uh, right a whole session on the Facebook poke okay, so I sat through that and I was doing a video diary of the day with my little flip camera. Do you remember those?
1: Oh, I still have a couple. Um, they'll, 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 they'll go in a shadow box one day. <laughs>
0: oh, great. <laughs> so I was recording little video snippets of the sessions I attended and I was meeting some of my Twitter friends in person for the first time. It was kind of my first tweet up. And uh, I just sat through the session and didn't introduce myself or anything. There was no reason for me to tell him who I was, but I liked what he had to share. And then later on, I had uploaded the photos on Facebook and some of our mutual connections tagged him and I was tagged in some other photos. And what's funny is if you fast forward to 2012, a lot of those strangers that I was taking pictures of in his class were present at our wedding reception.
1: Wow, so that's they great. They
0: become my friends. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that story. It's, uh, uh you know, it's just it was fun. It was fun kind of s- from 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 afar, right? And I wasn't close with either one of you at that time. But you, every, you know, everyone's talking about the story. Everyone's talking about what's coming up, and uh, it just feels like you're there. It's very cool. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about what you're doing today. You, um, I think it's you're about four years into this. Uh, we'll call it a gig. But you're uh, the director of new media and education for the chicago Title Portland operation. Uh, it's a position near and dear to my heart (laughs) because it's (laughs) something I've done. Uh, I, I I did in Phoenix and I'm doing similar things now for the Fidelity operation in the Tampa area. Tell me what you do. Tell me um, how that gig came about. Uh, tell me what you love about what you do.
0: Okay, sure. Well, first I'll start with how I got that position. I was a realtor. That's what I'd been doing for I think nine years at the time when I moved to Vancouver and I sold real estate with Dale. But I found that we have very different styles. He's yin, I'm yang. You know, we're just, or maybe it's the other way around, but mm-hmm. we do things differently. And I thought, you know, I love the real estate space, but I need a different type of job. And I got a job as a technical trainer at our local MLS, which is called regional MLS. So RMLS. And that was kind of terrifying because I had to get over the fear of public speaking. And I was in that role for about a year and a half when a friend of mine, Jeff Bernheisel, left Chicago Title. And Chicago Title needed someone to fill in as their director of new media and teach some of the classes he was scheduled to do. So they reached out to RMLS looking for a certified RPR instructor, and I was available to teach RPR for them. And That was around the time of Inman Connect where I saw you uh, back in 2014. And the job I had at the time didn't have a budget for trainers to go to conferences. So I took a week off and I went to Inman Connect on my own because I think it's really important for those of us who teach in an industry where things are rapidly changing, we need to sharpen the saw. So after doing a class, for Chicago title I went to Inman Connect and while I was out of town uh, the folks at Chicago title were reaching out to me asking if I'd be up for interviewing for their opening and I was happy to talk with you who knew the culture and knew how wonderful this company was and kind of like what the role would be because I wasn't sure what I'd be doing and the way I describe what I do is Every title company in Portland has a tech guy, and basically I'm Chicago Titles tech guy, but it's really so much more than that. I'm not crawling under anyone's desk, you know, adjusting their printer, you know, doing things like that. I don't have that kind of a background, but I act as their business partner. So I write and I teach classes that help realtors and even mortgage professionals uh, gain a better understanding of how to leverage technology and business. And part of what I do is offer consultations with realtors or lenders one-on-one or in small groups. And I co-manage our Facebook business page and come up with ideas and solutions that my sales team can show real estate offices. Uh, there's a number of other things I do, like I manage and created our YouTube channel as well.
1: Yeah, you, you do a great job with all of that. Uh, collateral and, and, um, and, but I think that some people think it's, it's, oh, it's all going to be about social, but, uh, you like me are, uh, an Evernote, uh, mm-hmm, Yes, <laughs> <Definitely> <laughs> Evernote fan boy. Um, and, and, uh, and lately I wanted to have a brief conversation with you about RPR. I'm, I'm nervous about RPR because it is a, uh, it's a spectacular tool. What they've done with the mobile app is, is, um, I'm doing RPR sessions weekly, multiple times mm-hmm. a week, right? Because and it has nothing to do with sitting down and showing someone how to do a map search or a radius search or even looking at a heat map. It's all about mm-hmm. how do I use that mobile app, you know, in in situations that are, that as a realtor, someone would you know come across like at an open house or uh, trying to get information on somebody who's relocating to Florida from where they used to live. I mean, all these quick little hits, these quick bites of stuff, and I'm finding that you know, people are never, they're not taught that about RPR, right?
0: Exactly. We can apply it to our lives better if an instructor can speak to those experiences that a realtor could find themselves in where it would be most useful. And I'm thankful that I can draw on my experience as a realtor or talk to my husband about it, who's still selling real estate and help paint a picture of why you need this tool. And I think that's why I've come up with five RPR classes, because I can take the same fantastic tool, but I can talk about different elements and different ways to apply it to the individual's business so that they can get the most out of this awesome tool.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for me, the usage rate is so low. It's staggeringly low, right? It's somewhere in the 15% range, I believe. You and I, we got to keep talking to people <laughs> about r p r because it's we a big yeah it's a big investment by by the, the membership and you know by n a r and I would hate to see that uh that go away because what started now eight years ago uh has mm-hmm. evolved into a very powerful realtor only tool that uh more and more people need to to look at so if you're listening to this and you 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 think you know it all about r p r find stephanie <laughs> call call yeah. up Chicago title call call Wendy Thatcher, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, and get an appointment because I think it's it's critical that realtors understand they have a tool that um, nobody else has, right?
0: Yes, and I don't believe it's going anywhere. I know that we watch technology come and go, and. I, I just don't get that feeling. I feel like it's very strong. I know it is fully funded. Good. It is underutilized, as you pointed out. But I think that's because people get overwhelmed with so many different choices. And if they understood fully about what RPR does and how to customize the reports so that maybe they're not so long, then they'd see how awesome it is.
1: Yeah. I, my, my number one tip on RPR, learn how to suppress the RVM.
0: <laughs> that's, yes, that's
1: for you. It's not, it's not for anybody else. It's just for you. Right. <laughs> so if you yes, learn nothing yes. else, <laughs> suppress <laughs> the RVM. Uh, great. So let me let me ask you this. Uh, so you've been an educator in the real estate space for, let's say, 10 years now, um, somewhere approaching 10 years. Yeah. What's the toughest part of your job?
0: Uh, I would guess the traffic. I mean, (laughs) that's not very exciting, but because I live in Vancouver and my territory is the Tri-County Portland area, I'm driving a lot. I'm spending a lot of hours in the car. And that takes me away from sitting at my desk, reading good new information, creating content. And sometimes my boss and I joke that I need a Lyft driver to professionally drive me everywhere so I can... (laughs) stay connected and keep working. Yeah. And I'll take calls and I'll listen to podcasts, but yeah, traffic can just be exhausting, Bill.
1: Yeah, I I hear you. I'm 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 in a <laughs> same thing here. My territory stretches 150 miles and uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it'll wear you out. But you're right. Windshield time is a, is a great audio consumption time. So, it, at least we still have that. That helps.
0: And I'm a deep thinker. So sometimes I'll actually schedule a number of things to think about a certain project that I want to visualize. And as I'm driving, I'm trying to use that time wisely to solve problems. So my craft studio, for example, I designed each wall of the craft studio at different times in traffic as I pictured what I wanted that wall or that station to be.
1: That's awesome. And then you would you have to just remember that till you got back and then you could sketch it out, right? Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. So that's the toughest part. But but Stephanie, what's 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 your favorite part? What do you love about your job?
0: Boy, there's a couple of things. I love sitting in a small group or meeting agents one on one and listening to their problems and showing them different ways to solve them. Or maybe observing them use their computer, and then I teach them more efficient ways to do things. Uh, it's such a good feeling when someone says, okay, stop. My brain is full, <laughs> and I'm really excited about all the new knowledge you've empowered me with. I mean, they may not say it that formally, but basically, that's what they're saying. If I've been able to help solve their problems and save them time and get them excited about technology, that feels so good.
1: That, that's a wonderful day
0: it's a perfect day. And when I was teaching at the Apple store, that was like the highest high. I got to teach 12 classes at all the Apple stores in Oregon to realtors before the store opened. And it was so special to craft my own content and show them how to get more out of their Apple devices when it comes to their real estate business. So that is something I'll always treasure.
1: I'm going to guess almost the entire Apple staff was listening to you as well.
0: Yeah, we did have a lot of them out there in their red shirts. I mean, they change every season, but yeah, they were there. And I was tickled when sometimes I would hear that they picked up a few new things. I didn't even know that was possible to teach the Apple guys anything, but (laughs) that was really special to get that feedback.
1: (laughs) I love it. So you you feel like the most you're the perfect person to ask this question. So um, if you had a magic wand, either from the craft room. Or Dale made it, uh, and you could wave this wand and change anything you want about the real estate world. What would you do? What would you change?
0: I'd change the way that agents are perceived when I was on the outside, I remember announcing that I was now a real estate agent, and a few people came to me with dismay, saying, Oh no that's that's awful. What are you thinking and I thought that was a strange response, but it seems that folks in the the car sales industry or attorneys or real estate agents aren't always viewed in the best light because there are a number of people who may have uh, caused that reputation to degrade. So I just wish that there was a way that our industry could shine a light on the good things that we do and on the good agents and on the people really making a difference in their communities and, I just wish we could change the story that the public may still have about real estate.
1: So you don't have a magic wand, but isn't that something uh, that my guess is that you're already having that conversation with people saying, how can you, you know, set yourself apart from this stereotype? What are the, some of the things you can do? Is that some of the things that you teach?
0: Yes, I think so. As I think about it, I mean, I got into the industry to help make it a better place and give people a very good experience, but I couldn't reach as many people as I wanted to. So then when I got this job at Chicago Title, I find that I'm able to affect realtors and teach them my philosophy and share tips and tricks to help them make the process more efficient. And give good service, and so I'm hoping that in this role, I'm able to reach more people and and just help elevate things.
1: whoever's bringing that education, whether it's the association on a national local state level or it's it's people like you and I that are bringing this education to people, there's like this education um, chain right because we're trying to help them be better at what they do uh, and then mm-hmm. ultimately they should be trying to educate their consumers so they understand the process that's coming up and they're better um, in tune with that. So it's it's how do we keep this thing going, right? How do we how do we keep education coming flowing down till it eventually gets to the consumer, and that's what's going to turn around um, the the attitude about a realtor or a real estate agent, right? Is you know, if we can be if 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 agents can provide that valuable information and only that that a, that a consumer can only get from them, is that? Am I making sense here? I'm kind of rambling.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just—you can't see me—but I'm nodding my head in agreement.
1: It's something. It's a noble goal, but I think I think everyone that in my role, your role, there's a lot of us around the country now. It's it's uh, something we got to strive for. And and then I, I just want to—I am—I'm going to ramble one more time. Give me—I want your take on this thought that. You know, we have iBuyers rolling in all over the place. I, I was in Phoenix for years. We had OfferPad before I left and Open Door, and, and now they're in Florida. Uh, I'm sure one day they'll work their way up to the Pacific Northwest. It seems to me that if a realtor can be, be of such service and value to consumers, especially in their database, I, I would expect from my customers, if I was a realtor, that if they wanted to find out what Open Door and OfferPad were, they would call me first they would say bill you're my you're my go-to guy for all things real estate what is this offer pad thing and so thinking about it that way wouldn't that be a goal uh, to, that a realtor would want to strive for is that everybody in their database thinks of them first and calls mm-hmm. them before they click on anything
0: yes and i think what may keep people from offering something like that is the fear of being asked a question they don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And what I try to teach is it's okay to not have the answer, but know where you'll get the answer from and make sure that when you research you get the answer and you have the information that you are circling back to that individual, or you could be perceived as you don't really care at all and you're kind of flaky. And so I think, I think we need to have more people having that conversation with their clients, their past clients, their sphere, that anything real estate related, whether it has to do with fixing up the house or refinance, or like you said, some of these new options in technology and real estate, I want to see the consumer going back to the realtor for those questions.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it could be a goofy question about a preliminary title report. That realtor mm-hmm. can get the answer in one phone call. Uh, so, yes. yeah. I, anyway, I'm on a crusade there, and I I know I know you're a kindred spirit in this in this fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good. Well, Stephanie, I I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up with the same last question I've asked every guest uh, since episode one with Jay Thompson, and that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started, what would it be?
0: You have to spend money to make money in this business. Mm. So unless you have a year's salary saved. I wouldn't recommend getting started in real estate yet. Uh, I found that your income and success are not guaranteed. So make sure you can afford to be your own CEO before jumping in.
1: I love that. Stephanie, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way they can uh, get in touch with you?
0: My Instagram account. I have two of them, but the public one is stephanie.chumbly. If you're curious about my creative side, you can go to cardsbystephanie.com. Or homecookedrecipes.net. And you can also find us on our Chicago Title, Portland Metro Area Facebook page, where I'm co running that page. Also, Chicago Title of Oregon has a YouTube channel. And those are the places to find me. I do still occasionally tweet as Dep Mode Chick.
1: Stephanie, thank you so much for your time. I knew once we got this together how fun this would be because. It's been really fun to 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 get to know you and to see what you've done with the role. Really just taking it to a whole new place. The whole Apple Store thing rocked. You know I copied it down in Phoenix. So, yeah, uh, yeah it was wonderful. So thank you so much for your time.
0: You are welcome. welcome. It means so much to have this conversation with you. And I've always looked up to you as a friend who's done this job before me and can lend some advice now and then. And I just feel like we're in this together. And I'll just continue to support you and uh, just thank you again for this opportunity to chat with you on your podcast. It means a lot.